0: During Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, "'Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you.'" But Mary was very startled by what the angel said and wondered what this greeting might mean. The angel said to her, "'Don't be afraid, Mary, God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God can do anything.
1: Good morning, good to see you today. glad to be with you. My name is Josh, if you know me. And uh, welcome to all of you joining us online. Really glad you can be with us as well. And uh, glad for you today. Hey, this morning we are in our series uh, working through uh, the Christmas story from the perspective of Mary. And Mary's got a unique perspective, one no one else has ever had. One no one else will ever have on Christmas. And uh, she's a unique woman we'll see this morning, blessed among all women in history and that we can learn a lot from. So we're gonna be in Luke chapter one. Uh, I think what we'll do here, I'm just gonna read through our passage for this morning and then I'm gonna pray and then we'll we'll dive in and unpack it together. Sound good? So if you got your Bible, you can turn with me uh, to Luke chapter one and uh, I'm gonna start in... Uh, verse 39 here this morning. And in verse 39 of Luke chapter one, we read this. In those days, uh, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. In those days just means this is right after, to give you a little context, uh, right after the angel Gabriel had appeared to Mary and said, Mary, God is gonna use you in incredible ways. He's gonna fulfill some of the promises he made hundreds of years ago through Isaiah. He's gonna fulfill those through you and through your womb and give you a son. So after this, in those days, Mary got up. She went with haste. She didn't, didn't waste any time and went into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Those are her relatives. We'll talk about them in a bit. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was six months pregnant and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because Mary now was pregnant as well. And then Elizabeth uh, cries out, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord... Should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary responds. with a a song, and some of these titles that you see in your Bible, by the way, so this one, Mary's Song of Praise, the Magnificat, if you've got the ESV, that's not scripture, that's just an editor coming in and helping you know the different sections of scripture. But the Magnificat, the reason that's there is because in Latin, this next song that Mary sings, uh, is the first word in Latin is Magnificat, so it's called that, which just means magnifies. You see it here in the text. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he's sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then we read at the end of our passage today, Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, for about three months and then returned to her home. So with that, let me pray. Then we're gonna come back and unpack that passage together and learn from Mary. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace to Mary, your goodness to her. And uh, because of her faithfulness, then uh, the goodness extended to her is extended even to us. We thank you for Jesus and for his work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the grave to give us life. Holy Spirit, I pray today as we see Mary, as we see her praise you for the good things you've done for her, that you'd spark in us just a remembrance um, whether life is really good right now or really hard right now or somewhere in the middle. Uh, You would remind us of the good things you've done for us from the smallest things to the greatest things and that it would spark in our hearts just a sense of praise toward you. Holy Spirit, teach me even as I teach and uh, enlighten your word to me so that we can all learn today. Do your work in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, yesterday in our house was football day, both kinds, the World Cup, like That's what the rest of the world calls football, right? We call it soccer. But then we watched, uh, uh, we got one fan over here. We also watched um, American football, we watched college football. the championships were yesterday, Big 12, Big 10, a bunch of others. And one of the things that's fun besides just watching the games or even having them on in the background, though, is, is watching the fans. Do you, ever, do you ever just stop to look at the fans at the games? You ever notice how crazy... They are sometimes, especially at the World Cup. I found a few pictures from this year's World Cup, but uh, this couple's from Denmark. Uh, this guy, I, I think he's from the Netherlands, so he was happy yesterday. Uh, England over here. By the way, all the guys who were dressed like crusaders in favor of England, I think they kicked him out from being able to watch the game in, in uh, Qatar. This guy's from Japan, and I'm not really sure what's on his head. No idea. Uh, we got Mexico here with the uh, lucha libre masks, and then uh, some of the Americans over here. People go nuts cheering for their teams. I mean, they yell and they scream and they cheer and they dance and they cry. And by the way, uh, it's not just, you know, World Cup football, but it's American football. Because I know some of you, you were up late last night. That's why you're a little droggy today cheering potentially maybe for Purdue or uh, another team that you you follow. And some of you online, you're watching online today because you were too tired being up so late that you couldn't get up to make it here. I'm glad you're with us online. You know, those things, they just make us cheer and uh, do crazy. But what else, I wonder, would make you celebrate wildly with no inhibition? like in the sense that you just can't help it, just all of a sudden, you're like, yes! And fired up about it. You do a little dance, sing a little song. Maybe it's the news that somebody close to you who had been really sick is better and is gonna be home soon. Maybe uh, it's the news, uh, depending on where you live, that your country had escaped tyranny and oppression and you could look forward to freedom and prosperity. Maybe in the face of a natural disaster, or flooding and you realize that God diverted it from coming to your home. Maybe uh, you'd celebrate wildly because you got a message that all of your financial worries, the business you run, whatever it is, are all taken care of and you're set and you don't have to worry anymore. Would you do a little dance for that one? I bet you would. Maybe it'd be the email or phone call to say, you just got appointed to the job you always dreamed of. Whatever it might be, you'd probably do things that you normally wouldn't. Like these guys, right? I mean, you'd be excited. You might round and round with a friend. You might shout and throw your hat in the air. You might text everybody you could think of and invite them to a party. You might sing a song. You might even just make one up. along. Those of you with kids, you ever have your kids like they, they just start making up new words to a song that you already, they already know, just celebrating something. And maybe you would do that, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd take pieces of poems or songs you already knew, maybe uh, adding your own words or new words to an old great hymn. And if you lived in a culture where any kind of rhythm or beat mattered, I mean, it would be this sort of thing that you could clap your hands to or stomp on the ground. We're gonna come back and read Mary's song again with that perspective because that's what Mary was doing. She visited her relative Elizabeth. We're gonna see the setup to some of that, but then when we get to Mary's song, it's just, from our perspective in the text, it's just the spontaneous thing. She can't help but be excited. And I'm gonna show you, I think she borrows even from some other songs in the Old Testament that just come to her mind and just added some of her own words and made it her own. Worshiping and praising God. But before we get there, it's important to note that this song really came out of the fact that Mary believed God. That was the first piece. We saw a lot of that last week and earlier in chapter one of Luke. So let's think for a moment. Uh, Again, just set the stage. Where has Mary been so far? What's going on in her life as she shows up here to her relative Elizabeth's home? Well, think, think with me. You know, I mean, she's a young girl we read that she's betrothed to this guy named Joseph, which in that day you were either, betrothment is like an engagement, uh, somewhere in between engagement and marriage is pretty official, but it would happen anywhere from age 12 to 17. Usually you were married officially fully by 17 or 18 years old. So this means Mary's a young girl. She's a teenager, anywhere from as young as 12 to as on the upper end, 17, 18 years old. She's just going about her business one day, preparing for her wedding, when the angel Gabriel appears to her out of nowhere with a message for her from God. He tells her, "You're going to fulfill the promises of Isaiah about the Messiah. He's going to be born to you. You're going to be the mom, the mother of the Son of God, and it's going to be a miraculous birth. You're you're going to remain a virgin." The Holy Spirit is gonna conceive the son in you and he will be God and he rescue his people. It's gonna be awesome. And by the way, your relative, Elizabeth, and just so you know, we're not told what relative she is. Is she Mary's cousin? Is she Mary's aunt? Either way, they're of the same family. They're blood relatives. Who had been barren for decades is now pregnant. She's six months along. So Mary, full of faith, takes God at his word. She takes God at his word. I mean, uh, that's really the beginning of faith. It's believing what God says. Exactly what he said. As he said it. And just taking him at his word. Believing his promises to you. Trusting them. That's the reason I know Mary did this is the verse preceding the passage we're in this morning. We ended with this last Sunday. Mary said, Behold, to Gabriel, after all of this, I'm the servant of the Lord. I give myself to serve him. So let it be to me according to your word. She takes God at his word. Now, I think Mary had some questions. I mean, she was heading into all kinds of social strife, all kinds of struggle. We're gonna see a lot of that next Sunday. But she just took God at his word. And that's how faith begins. It begins by taking God at his word, believing him. But you know, it doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just, true faith doesn't just stay like in our minds, believing God. It it actually yields activity. It results in doing something in living it out, in repenting of my sin, and putting my full trust and faith in Jesus, relying on him alone for my salvation. Biblical faith then, I've given you this definition a lot of times in the past, but I'll just share it again because it's, it's helpful for me. It was from my pastor when I was a student in Bible college and it's just four parts. Biblical faith, first it's believing God's word. We see that with Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. And then after that, the second part is acting upon it. It's not just believing God's word, like this mental assent, but it's actually worked out in action. I take action. So if I'm coming to faith and believing for the first time, I believe it in my head, but then I I confess it with my mouth. I, I, I put my full trust in Jesus. I take action on that. I turn from my sin. And I do this no matter how I feel. Sometimes, many times, I want to follow God, right? I want to do what's right. I want to take those actions and live out my faith. But there's other times, and maybe sometimes an embarrassing number of times where I don't feel like it. But I'm gonna take God at his word and I'm gonna act on it even if I don't feel like it. Do you see? But why would I do that? Because I guarantee you Mary had some questions. She had some fears. Here's why, because God promises a good result when we do. He promises it. And might I add this to this definition? He keeps every promise that he makes. He does. So uh, if you're trusting God for a promise right now and it hasn't come about yet, he's promised it in his word, he didn't forget. He's not dragging his feet. He's gonna keep that promise. So let's get back to Mary then and see how this is lived out in her life. She says, uh, verse 38, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. She believes God's word. And it results in some activity in her life. Look at this. In those days, Mary got up, she rose and she went with haste. She didn't waste any time into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now, uh, I don't have a map to show you, but uh, Nazareth where Mary lived is in Northern Israel by the Sea of Galilee. So we're by the, or really it's a lake, the Lake of Galilee. We're by the Lake of Wawasee in the middle of nowhere. And so uh, to give you an idea on distance, if we were to head south uh, toward Indianapolis, that's about how far it was to Jerusalem for Mary. And the hill country refers to the area, the hill country of Judah surrounding, likely the city of Jerusalem. So uh, that journey, uh, different people debate it. We don't know the exact town she was going to where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. But we know the area, and it could have been anywhere from 80 to 100 miles for her on foot to get there. That was a huge trip for a young girl on foot who's newly pregnant. Maybe she had morning sickness on her way. What was it like for her? But Mary didn't let that stop her from going to see Elizabeth. And she gets there and she enters the house of Zechariah and she greeted Elizabeth. And and Mary maybe just felt like she needed somebody to talk to who would understand what was going on. She needed somebody who had been through some of the same things as her. Shock of emotion of what was happening, of uh, who had... I mean, Elizabeth didn't see Gabriel, but her husband, Zechariah, did. See, she enters the house of, then of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And let me just bring you up to speed on who these two are, if you don't remember. If you take your Bible and go back earlier in Luke chapter one, we, we read this about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. He lives in a small town. So in other words, uh, he serves at the synagogue in this town. He's basically a small town pastor. And he served in the same spot for decades. And he's married to his wife, Elizabeth, and they've been faithfully married to one another, serving in this little church year after year, after decade after decade. And once a year, uh, the priests would be called to Jerusalem where they would go and uh, serve in the temple. A couple different weeks out of the year for some of the big pilgrimages to Jerusalem, just helping with all the people. But uniquely, each day, a a priest, they would cast lots, which was like rolling dice or drawing out of a raffle sort of thing. And one time in your life as a priest, you would be selected to go into the temple to perform some of the duties inside the actual temple, not just around it in the temple courts. Well, on this visit, Zechariah gets his name chosen for the first time after decades of going. And this is his shot, and he goes in, and we read in in the first part of Luke one that the angel Gabriel appeared to him when he walked into the temple. Now, I wonder what Zechariah thought, because he had never been in there before. You only do this once in your life. Did he think, whoa, hey, who are you? Does this always happen? Is this normal? This is my first time, help me out, what's going on? Like, did, did all the other guys see angels? Nobody talked about it. And he's afraid at first, and Gabriel says, don't be afraid. And he basically just tells him, uh, Zechariah, you and your wife are gonna have a child. You're gonna have a child. And uh, he's gonna be great. God's gonna use him. It's gonna be awesome. But Zechariah has some doubts. and He's like, well, hold on. How, how, how am I gonna know this is the case? I don't know if I believe that because my wife is old. I'm old. We've tried having kids for years. It's, I don't think it's gonna happen. Gabriel says, his doubt, he says, uh, well, Zechariah, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) I stand in the presence of God. You might remember me from the Bible that you preach week after week in your little church, right? I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, basically because you didn't believe, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. So from here on out, you're not gonna be able to talk until your son is born. And by the way, I think this also means not only will he be unable to speak, you'll be silent. Literally, you'll be mute or uh, deaf. So he's gonna be deaf and mute for the next nine months. All of a sudden, everything goes quiet. He can't talk. He walks out to the people who are waiting, tries to explain what's going on, playing charades on the steps of the temple. Then he has to go home and explain it to his wife. And now it's six months later, she's pregnant. And Mary, the Gabriel comes to Mary, and now Mary's pregnant too. And she's going to visit Elizabeth because the angel told her, do you remember your relative Elizabeth who'd been barren forever and is old? She's pregnant. Because nothing's impossible with God. And so she goes. And Mary shows up and She walks into Elizabeth and Zechariah's home and she greets them. She greeted Elizabeth and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now I wonder, um, we're told here that this happens because uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. God revealed some things to her in that moment. But I wonder if part of the reason that that she exclaimed a loud cry was just that had been so quiet in their home for the last six months. Who is this at the door now greeting me? She was a little startled. But really what had happened is, see this baby that was in the womb of Elizabeth is John the baptizer. He's prophesied also in the Old Testament as one who will come in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Messiah. John's unique His God-given call on his life is going to be, tell everybody Jesus is coming. Let them know he's here. And John's fulfillment of that call begins when he's only six months in the womb. Negative three months, by the way, we count ages. He leaps for joy and announces to Elizabeth in his movement there, hey, the Messiah is here. And the Holy Spirit then reveals to Elizabeth what was going on, and so she just, she couldn't help but exclaim with a cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, namely the Messiah, Jesus. That line, blessed are you among women. Mary is uniquely blessed. Ladies, we love you, and uh, you're a treasure to us in our church, but Mary is uniquely blessed among all women she gets to be the mother of the son of God. She's a pretty um, incredible young girl here and and woman in general in the way that God uses her. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. See, Mary was blessed by God. She believed God and God blessed her. I would tell you having true faith, believing God, acting on his word, no matter how you feel, because he promises a good result. that good result is God's blessing in your life. It may not be a blessing necessarily by the world standards, but it'll be peace, it'll be joy, it'll be good, 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 good things in the end. And Mary was blessed. See, Elizabeth uh, exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Mary, blessed is the fruit of your womb, uniquely among anyone who's ever lived. So why is that? Was there something better about Mary than all the other girls of that day and all the other women? The answer is no. It's because of God's sovereignty. Because God is sovereign. Here's here's basically what sovereignty is. It just refers to God's absolute right to be God and do all things according to his own good pleasure. Why did God choose Mary? Because he wanted to because he can do all things for his good pleasure. And uh, he's sovereign over things in that way. He allows good things in my life and causes good things in my life and he allows really hard things in my life. And he promises though to take even those hard things and in the end, not make those hard things good, but use them for good in me. And he promises the same to you, friend. Uh, It's in his sovereignty. So uh, she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She goes on, she says, why is it granted to me then that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Holy Spirit revealed this to Elizabeth, that Mary was carrying the Messiah. I think it's, it's worth stopping here for just a bit depending on maybe some of her backgrounds. Uh, Elizabeth calls uh, Mary the mother of my Lord, and she calls Mary uniquely blessed among women, right? Uh, Well, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, they've uh, venerated Mary, meaning uh, uh, made her a, uh, in some ways you might even say, tantamount it appears theologically of making her tantamount to the savior of of mediating grace of her sinlessness and their stereotypes and caricatures I'm not going to go into because they're not helpful and they've caused a lot of misunderstandings but Catholics revere Mary very highly is really one thing I want to draw to your attention and they're kind of bewildered that sometimes we just give a cold shoulder to such a warm woman from the Bible But then we, I think, rightly see maybe Jesus's role and his deity threatened when certain things are ascribed to Mary that the Bible doesn't seem to ascribe to Mary. She was a normal girl. She was a sinner. She needed a savior. She wasn't perfect. She had all the same struggles we do. But God, in his grace, chose her and used her. The Bible helps us that Jesus is the savior, no one else. But Mary is blessed and she's unique among women. And uh, we can celebrate God's work in her life because ultimately it affects our life 2,000 years later. So uh, Elizabeth is excited that she's there, the mother of her Lord, the mother of our Lord. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. There's John doing his work. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her, of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You know, why did Mary go see Elizabeth, do you think? I wonder if she just felt like she needed somebody to talk to, somebody who would understand what was going on in her life, somebody who held the same beliefs, somebody in her family, somebody who's experiencing something uniquely supernatural. Another woman who's older and has experience in life and now is even further along in her pregnancy. Maybe she can help me understand what to expect. They could compare notes maybe on what Gabriel said if Elizabeth was ever able to get anything out of Zechariah. Or maybe they couldn't compare notes since Zechariah really couldn't speak. And so Mary helped fill in some of the gaps for Elizabeth. Maybe Mary's description helped Zechariah finally communicate everything, but either way, as she rushed off, I think she just was looking for somebody who would understand. you know the reality is? That uh, all of us, she was kind of living out one of our core values. We all need friends. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is in your life right now, there's people in this room, there's people who are in the first service, there's people in your life group, people who love the Lord like you do, who've, either been through it or maybe you're, you've been through it and you can help them because they're going through it. And we need friends. God created us in his sovereignty, lacking, so that we would run to him and so that we would befriend one another. And, and Mary's really living this out. She's going to someone who can empathize with her. Maybe not fix everything, but just hear her. Do you, ever, do you have a friend like that? You ever had that experience where you just go to somebody and you just pour your heart out and you realize they didn't fix anything as you look back, but they sure helped you through it, didn't they? Just because they knew. We see that in Mary. That takes faith and some courage to do that. And uh, her faith is also why she was blessed. Because she believed the Lord. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The fact that Mary believed is is pretty remarkable. I mean, her pregnancy was, and it was surely controversial. It surely made her, if she told everybody else what God had told her through the spirit, everybody else was gonna think she was crazy. No wonder she ran off to talk to Elizabeth and stay with her for a while. But when she gets there, see Mary believed God, she was blessed by God, and then we see Mary who cannot help but praise God. She praised God. Here's what she says in her song. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior. Why does Mary praise him? I would contend for God's goodness, for his goodness to her so far. He, she says, the mighty one's done great things for me. And, and she references his grace to Israel and to Abraham and to all the people of God. And then she's uh, praising him for his goodness in the future, his goodness that's yet to come. He's gonna keep his promises. He's keeping his promises. This is awesome. And so Mary takes off and she's on her way to Elizabeth, right? Before she sings this song. And I imagine as she's going, it's taking her a few days to get there. She begins to have a lot of thoughts. What's this gonna be like? Mary was pure. Mary, I think, knew her Bible to a degree as well. And I'd imagine... uh, This is conjecture, but this is what I think is happening. I think Mary, on her way to see Elizabeth, who's been barren for a long time and sad and wants to serve the Lord and honor him, uh, she remembers another woman from the Old Testament who had a similar experience by the name of Hannah. And Hannah in 1 Samuel, uh, let me tell you a little bit of Hannah's story. If you go read First Samuel, uh, you can read just in chapter one, kind of the background of her story. Uh, Hannah was married to a guy named Elkanah and uh, had a, he had a second wife as well named uh, Penina, I think is how you say it. And Penina had a number of children. And so uh, each year he would bless her and her kids and give them a bunch of things. But to Hannah, he would actually give twice as much because he really loved her. Well, when they would go to work, Penina would would taunt Hannah. And uh, she would just feel demeaned by her because she didn't have children. And you can read all about it in First Samuel 1. And you can imagine this broke Hannah's heart. She wanted nothing more than to have a child, but she didn't. So she begins praying to God. In, in one account, she's, she's praying and weeping before God and just pouring her heart out to him in her distress and her mouth is moving, and, but no words are coming out and they're at the tabernacle and Eli the priest, he comes and he looks at her and he goes, hey lady, you gotta lay off the sauce. He thinks she's drunk. He does, he tells her, you need to put the drink away and like, uh, you just why don't you, why don't you get on with life? Why are you giving your life to that? And she goes, no, you don't understand. I haven't been drinking, I haven't had... Strong drink, none of that. I'm just, I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> I'm crying out to God asking for help. And he realizes that and has compassion on her. And he says, okay, well then let it be to you as you, but may God grant your petition, you know? So Hannah goes home. They get home, she ends up conceiving a son. Only in her prayer, the thing I didn't tell you is she prayed and she told God, if, if you would give me a son, I'll lend him to you. He'll be yours, he'll be yours to serve you. And so she gets pregnant and then she follows up on that commitment to the Lord. They, they take the baby back after he's been weaned and he's a young boy now, take him back to Eli and he, he lives there now to serve the Lord. And at the end of that, Hannah begins praying. The little boy's name is Samuel. And uh, she begins praying and singing a song. I printed it for you in uh, your insert this morning. It's in, sorry for the really small type, but you can look it up in your Bible too. Uh, First Samuel chapter two. Listen to the song that he sings. Hannah prayed and she said, "'My heart exalts in the Lord. My horns exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation, God. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Do you see the opposite there? The, the ones who are strong are now broken, but the ones who are weak are now strong. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. They, they no longer have any food. But those who are hungry, now they're not hungry anymore. God's just reversing things. It's his kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. The barren is born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. He makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and exalts. And she just goes on talking about the goodness and greatness of God. Here's what I think. I think Mary on her way to see Elizabeth, who also had been barren for years and wanted a child so badly, and now is pregnant, the story of Hannah was surely in Mary's mind on this journey. And she knew this song. And so when she gets there and her her faith is confirmed and Elizabeth tells her, you're blessed, and she's like my son who just sings a random song to a tune that he's heard it's just love and life. And she borrows from Hannah's song and makes it her song. Look at some of the parallels here. Look at Mary's song. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She's not giving us a dichotomy of like how we are, how we're made up, spirit, soul, body. She's just saying my soul, my spirit, all of me magnifies God. Look at, look at what Hannah wrote in verse one, what she's saying. My heart exalts in the Lord. I rejoice in your salvation. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary needed a savior. Well, why? Well, Because he's, he's done great things. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary's not being proud here, like thinking of herself higher. She's just saying, God's blessed me. And this is incredible. And she's acknowledging the great gift he's given her. All generations will call me blessed. We're doing it today in a cornfield on the other side of the world, 2000 years later. He's looked on the humble estate. Again, another reason I think she had Hannah in mind. In chapter one of Hannah, it talks about Hannah's affliction and the same word underlying that humble estate and affliction is translated here. It's the same idea. From her humble estate in a small town, middle of nowhere, God's blessed me. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Anna in verse two said, there's none holy like the Lord, there is no rock like our God. And his mercy, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, That shows up in Psalm 103, verse 17. See, Mary's just collecting all these things that she knows from God's word, and especially Hannah's story, and she's just singing. And he has shown great strength with his arm, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. In, in verse three of what, uh, what Hannah had sung, she said, don't talk proud anymore. God scattered the proud. No, he's a God of knowledge. By him, actions are weighed. He's, he's strong and mighty. For he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Compare that to verse four of Hannah's song. Verse 53, he's he's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he's sent away empty. Hannah sang, do you remember what she sang? She said, Those who had a lot of food, now they're going to find work so they can get more food because they don't have any left. But those who are really hungry, God's filled their stomachs. He's reversed it. He's helped his servant Israel. Now she remembers God's goodness to all of his people of his mercy is he, he, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Here she's remembering God's help to Israel as, and his promise to Abraham and recognizing in the future, God's gonna still keep that promise and he's doing it through the child I get to bear. And so Mary then after all of this remained for about three months with Elizabeth and then returned home. Elizabeth was about six months pregnant when she got there. In the account, in the next chapter, when Elizabeth gives birth, we have no record of Mary there, so it's likely Mary left before the birth. She hangs out, helps, they compare notes, compare stories, encourage one another, and then she goes home. Friends, Mary, this young girl, she believed God. He blessed her. And she couldn't help but praise him. Now one thing that's curious you think about those two stories of Hannah and Mary, Hannah praised God after coming out of years of affliction and hurt and suffering and pain. And God brought her out of it and she praised God. Mary is right on the doorstep of a bunch of the same. In fact, next week, our message as we get into it, we're gonna look at some of that. It's The title of the message is All Aboard the Struggle Bus because Mary's about to climb on. But in this good moment, she's praising God and she's deciding now, even before that struggle comes, I'm gonna serve him, I'm his servant, let it be to me according to your word. So that way then when the hard times come, she's already set her mind to serve him and to follow him. So I don't know where you're coming in today. Are you coming in at the end of a struggle and God's blessed you and it's good? Are you? on the cusp of one that's coming, storm brewing on the horizon, or are you in it right now? Here's what I would say. I think from Hannah and Mary both, we just see that no matter what it is that's going on, we can praise God. We can believe his word. He blesses us and we can praise him because he has done great things for me. And by faith, We can praise him. We're gonna sing here in a moment. The worship team is gonna come up and uh, they can come up now even and we're gonna sing uh, again the song we sang earlier that's basically right from this passage of scripture of Mary's song. He has done great things for me. And you can stand and sing with us or you can just sit and think and maybe write out what are some of the good things? Start making your list. What are the good things he's done for you? Even if life is really hard right now, that doesn't negate that. I get it. But you can turn your eyes to Christ and praise Him for the good things. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. You can come forward anytime for, during that or after for prayer as well, and uh, call it a morning. Let me pray.